listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Hey, what is up, everybody? Ted Shuttlesworth back with you on the podcast again this week. I'm so excited for this week. I've got a podcast for you today. This episode, you might have to listen to it a couple of times to fully get out of it everything that we're going to put in because I've got a lot to give you today. But let me just say that uh, I'm currently in Cannonsburg, Washington, Pennsylvania area. We're holding revival here at Champion Christian Center, and uh, it's been powerful already, and uh, God is moving. So I'm very, very excited about what's going on. We're coming into the final quarter now of the year, and uh, rather than gearing down, I'm encouraging you to gear up to the next level and set yourself up for a greater upcoming year than you've ever seen before. And let me say right off the bat, if you've not gotten a hold of our Monday Music Mashup a playlist that we provide for you on Apple Music or Spotify, uh, you can actually go over there and subscribe. Uh, every single week, we have a new playlist to get you guys going in a new week, get you motivated and uh, pumped up spiritually to do what God's called you to do in the description of this podcast there are links to the spotify and apple music uh, playlist of monday music mashup new playlist every single monday and then let me say before we jump in if you've not gotten a chance to do so already share this today on social media with somebody let them know you're listening to the podcast and for those of you that are listening if you've not done this yet do me a favor and click the subscribe button uh, on itunes or apple podcasts if you have an iphone or an ipad And if not, you can easily find us on Google Play or Google Podcasts or Stitcher and uh, click that subscribe button. It means a lot to me and I thank you guys for listening. It's going to be a great day. So let's jump into this today because I kind of have a lot of information uh, to give to you guys. But as you saw from the title, we're going to be talking about five areas of your life that you must master. These are so important. These are so vital. Five areas of your life that you must master. If you don't master these without question, they will master you. And the results are disastrous when any one of these areas masters you in life. So we're going to deal with that today from the scripture and I'm going to encourage you, but I want to start by reading to you Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to read just a few verses here as Paul wrote to the uh, to the Galatian church. And I'm going to start reading with a uh, verse. Actually, you know what? Let's start reading with verse, verse 17. And uh, the Bible says, For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these two are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the spirit, you're under you're not under the law. Now look at verse 19 through 23 here. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, 
just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now look at verse 22 and 23, so powerful. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and here's where we're going to focus today, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So we're going to be talking about the subject of self-control today. I mean, this is something not talked about often. In fact, if you talk to many people in our generation, you'd come to the conclusion that they're dealing with things that they're dealing with because life is somehow its own entity that has come against them. You know, you'll hear people say stuff like, well, you know how life is. That's how life goes. And, you know, they have all these excuses. Life is not a person. Life is not an entity that's out to destroy you. In fact, we have to understand that in proper stewardship, God has given us a free will to obey his word. And when we obey his word, things go well with us. And self-control is something that needs to be talked about even more. In fact, did you know that Paul wrote to his son in the gospel, Timothy, and he said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love. And listen to this in the NASB, power and love and discipline. One translation says power, love, and sound judgment. You may be used to hearing it power, love, and a sound mind. But when he's talking about a sound mind, he's actually talking about sound judgment or discipline. God has given us not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of discipline. It's very interesting that discipline or self-control is one of the fruit of the spirit. And that to me, uh, I mean, if you just think about it logically, the self-control as a fruit of the spirit might be the most powerful fruit of the spirit. The reason I say that is because all of the other fruit of the spirit, if you don't have self-control, you'll not be able to operate in any of the other eight fruit of the spirit. How can you walk in love towards somebody who you feel like punching if you don't have self-control? How can you, how can you have peace in a situation that doesn't look peaceful unless you have the spirit of self-control? And by the way, let me say very clearly that self-control is a spiritual thing. Paul made that clear when he was contrasting the spirits that God gave us versus those he did not give us. He told Timothy, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and self-discipline. So power is a spirit. We know that very clearly because the Bible says that uh, Jesus told his disciples, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So you know that power is a spirit. It's called the Holy Spirit. Well, power and love and a sound mind. You know, love is a spirit because the Bible says that God is love. And in another passage of scripture, it says God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So love is also a spirit. So that shows you that Paul is in context here showing us that even self-discipline or self-control is a spirit. In fact, all nine of the fruit of the spirit come from the Holy Spirit and he is a spiritual source, obviously. So self-control, self-discipline is a spiritual attribute 
that has got to be employed in your life. And in today's episode, I'm going to walk you through five areas of life that you must master with self-control and self-discipline in order to succeed. Because all five of these areas, if not handled properly, they will destroy your life. And I've met people that in every one of these areas, you know, different people that have maybe one or two of these that are out of whack. And even though they love the Lord with their whole heart and they're trying to do with what God's called them to do, if all five of these areas are not mastered, then it will cause, uh, you know, either hindrances or failures in you accomplishing what God's called you to accomplish. So we're going to jump into these five and within each one of these five areas, I'm going to give you three things that need to be done in order to master that area. And uh, I would really, really encourage you, especially with today's episode, to take notes on this because you're going to want to take a look at these and keep them in remembrance. You're going to want to go over them again and again. That's why I said you may want to listen to this podcast more than one time, this episode, because there's going to be a lot that I'm going to give you today. But I want to jump right in and start talking about these five areas of your life that you must master if you're going to have uh, the momentum uh, in your calling and in your gift that God's called you to have. Number one is the spiritual area of your life. And I'm starting with this because obviously the spiritual side of you is the most important side of your life. You must master the spiritual area of your life. You cannot go unchecked spiritually and expect to succeed in the kingdom of God. There's got to be self-control and self-discipline in your spiritual life or you will not have victory. By no means will you have victory without self-control in your spiritual life. Three things that I want to point out to you from scripture that will cause you to have uh, mastery in your spiritual life. And I'm sure there's all kinds of things I could talk about today. These three I feel are paramount. And then you'll see as we go through the other five areas of your life that some of these things bleed over one into another and they'll all kind of help one another and and facilitate the other's uh, area. But let's just start with what uh, these three in the spiritual area of your life. Number one, you have got to be a person of prayer. Without question, you've got to be a person of prayer. When Jesus was teaching in Matthew chapter six, he taught about three things. He talked about giving. He talked about prayer and fasting. And when he mentioned these three things, he always said, when you pray, when you fast and when you give, not if, but when. In fact, prayer was an expectation of Jesus for his followers. Jesus himself modeled that as a man of prayer. And so prayer has got to be in your life if you're going to master the spiritual area of life. You can't be a person who refuses to pray and expect things to work out for you. God's looking to talk to you. He expects to interact with you. He expects to speak with you and you with him so that he can communicate to you what the Bible calls the secrets of God, the secrets of God. They come to the people that are in covenant relationship with God. I can't imagine being in a relationship with someone and making a choice to never speak to them, to never speak to them. In fact, I was just talking to a friend of mine 
last week and he said such a powerful thing. I, I brought it up on last week's episode. I need to say it again because it's that powerful. But he said, you know, you can kill something not by attacking it, but by simply ignoring it. You can kill something. Think of a pet. If you just ignored it, didn't feed it, didn't walk it, didn't care for it. Think of a baby. You just left it in the crib. You didn't feed him, didn't take him out, didn't change the diaper, just left him in the crib, ignored him. You you don't have to attack the baby. You don't have to attack the pet. You can just ignore it. And by ignoring it, you can kill it. It's the same way with the spiritual area of your life. You don't have to attack. You don't have to turn into a pornographer, a bank robber, a drug dealer, uh, you know, a child abuser. You can just ignore your spiritual life and it will begin to die. There'll be no results. In fact, the Bible declares in the book of Proverbs that if a man wanders away from the way of understanding, then he'll remain in the congregation of the dead. So without question, you can be somebody that's on your way to heaven but have no evidence of God's power in your spiritual life because you will not do the basic things that the word of God teaches us to do. And so we're expected to pray. I encourage you to take at least 30 minutes to an hour a day to pray, to get into the presence of God. And you've heard me mention it many times here on the podcast, but one of the things that'll help you more easily get into extended times of prayer is using a list of prayer points that keep you on topic from scripture with scriptures that are actually backing up what you're praying and it'll keep you on track for longer periods of time. If you'd like to have a copy of the prayer points that we offer, we're happy to send them to you absolutely free. All you've got to do is email us and you can send your email to info at miracleword.com info at miracleword.com and request in the subject line prayer points we would be very very happy to send them over to you to help your own personal prayer life number two under the spiritual area of life you've got to read and obey the word of god you must read and obey the mighty word of god why do i say it like that because there's a lot of people that know the bible that don't obey the bible There's atheists that know the Bible because they like to debate Christians. There are Muslims that know the Bible for the same reason, but that doesn't mean that they obey the Bible. You've got to not only read it on a daily basis, you must obey it. In fact, John 14, 21, that I've been quoting quite a lot in these episodes, Jesus said, those who have my commandments and obey them, they are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and manifest myself to them. So not just reading the word, but obeying the word. And when you read the word, there is supernatural power and strength that's imparted into your body, into your mind, all, I mean, it literally, the word of God will affect every area of your life too. I mean, it'll get into your flesh, Proverbs 4.20. It'll get into your business and your success, Joshua 1.8. It'll get into your, uh, your, your joy and your peace, Jeremiah 15, 16. It goes through every area of your life. So a daily plan to read the mighty word of God and stick to it. Self-discipline brings about consistency. This is not something you do once a month and then fall out of it for five months. You know, this is something on a daily, all of the things that I'm going to talk to you about today should be done you know, within reason, obviously there's a couple of things I'm going to say you can't do every day, but daily, these are daily disciplines, daily 
things that you're going to do in action that are going to bring you mastery in these areas of life. And prayer and the word are paramount to having the kind of success that you want to have as a believer. Without prayer and without the mighty word of God, you are missing out on two of the most powerful elements given by heaven that'll bring success into your life. So come up with a daily Bible reading plan. You've heard me say many times on this podcast that if you would read nine chapters of the New Testament a day, you would read the New Testament every month. If you read three chapters of the New Testament a day, you would read the New Testament every quarter, four times a year. Imagine how your life would change if you spent that time in the word rather than doing a, I mean, it'll take you to the next level. And then finally, under the spiritual area of your life, if you want to gain mastery, you've got to master these areas. The third thing under the area of spirituality is that you've got to be faithful to church. Faithful, and I'm going to add something here, by the way, faithful to a full gospel, Holy Ghost-filled church. Not just faithful to any church, because where you go to church can make you or break you. So if you're in a dead church and you're listening to this episode, get out and get out quickly. Don't stay there. Listen, you might know better and you see some things that are wrong or, well, they don't believe in speaking in tongues or they don't believe in, you know, that God will bless you financially. They don't believe in healing. They don't lay hands on the sick. You might know better, but remember your kids do not know better and your kids are being raised in a church that's forming their spiritual life. It's life or death for your children and it's life or death for your family. And I want to encourage you, if you're in one of those churches that is not Holy Ghost filled, thank the pastor for all he's done for you and your family. Thank him for his service. Thank you for all. Thank him for everything he's done to this point and just let him know you feel to move on and find yourself a Holy Ghost filled, power filled church. It's literally worth moving for. You say, well, there's nothing in my area. Find something in a city close by. And if you've got to move, move, but it's number one. And this, listen, by the way, this is not a suggestion to go to church faithfully. It's commanded us in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the custom of some, but as you see the day of the Lord approaching, gather all the more. So we are commanded to be faithful to church. So the first area of life we have to gain mastery over is our spiritual life. That's done by prayer. It's done by reading and obeying the word of God. And it's done by being faithful to church. Why? Because when you're faithful to the house of God, where God's called you, The book of Ephesians tells us that God has set gifts in the church for the perfecting of the saints, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And they're there so that you can be perfected in your faith, which means that when God gives them a word for you, that word being delivered into your spirit will put you on the next level. Did you know Ezekiel said in the Bible, the word came to me and set me upon my feet. There's something about the word of God that can establish you, strengthen you, build you up and set you upon your feet. So when you become part of a church that's a Holy Ghost filled, full gospel church, don't go once every four weeks as that's the statistic. The average Christian goes to church one out of the four Sundays a month. That's ridiculous. Don't do that. 
Go to church every time the doors are open. And here's why I say it. Once again, we're thinking about our families. Remember, what are we telling our children by our actions? What are we telling our families by what we choose to do? Do we teach our kids that travel baseball and travel football and travel soccer and cheerleading? Are we teaching them that these things are more important than the house of God? You know, it baffles me. People think, well, I wonder why kids are leaving churches, you know, in droves when they get old enough to make their own decisions. It's because we as parents have taught them for the last 17, 18 years that other things that are carnal are more important than the house of God. We've been teaching them travel baseball and travel football, travel soccer. These things, you know, we can go to church anytime. You know, you have to live your life. You got to go do these things. It's fun. Those things do not take precedence over the house of God. They just don't. I was a part of a state championship basketball team, AAA state champions in West Virginia. But let me tell you something. When the coach called practices on Wednesday nights or tried to get us in there in times that I was in church, I went to him directly and said, I understand you're calling the practices. I won't be there because I go to church. You've got to take a stand and declare what is important at what isn't. Your children are being raised to see what you think is valuable and their lives will be modeled around what you modeled in front of them. Keep it in mind when you're thinking about mastering these areas of your life, your children are taking cues from you at a young age and you're imparting to them, whether you know it or not, disciplines that'll be locked into their life later. Don't make them disciplines that your children have to break when they become adults. When my dad, you know, he never really considered church, you know, worth our time. You know, we never really did go to church growing up. Don't make it something they have to break. Make it something that they should keep for the rest of their life as part of their life. So area number one, you've got to master the spiritual area of your life. Number two, if you're taking notes, you've got to master the mental area of your life. You've got to take control over your mind. You've got to gain mastery over your mind. And there's three things I want to give you about this today. Number one, you should constantly be a person who's studying. And I don't just mean studying the word. You need to be somebody who's constantly learning. Don't listen to the old adages about you can't teach an old dog new tricks and listen to these little things people say. Let me encourage you with this thought. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, you can never be past your prime. Think about that. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, you can never be past your prime. So don't say, well, I'm too old to learn that. I've had people tell me that. Well, you know, I'm, a, I'm getting older. I'm 50s. I'm in my early 60s. I'm just too old to learn how to use a computer. I'm too old to learn how to use a smartphone. I just don't know. I, I'm not good with that. You're filled with the Holy Ghost who teaches you all things, which includes natural things. What do you think? The Holy Ghost doesn't know how to use computers. You think the Holy Ghost doesn't know how to use a smartphone? He can teach you all things so that you can continue to be productive in every season of your life. You should be learning something new. Seek out knowledge. Seek out knowledge. It's important to gain knowledge. In fact, the book of Proverbs says, in all thy getting, get understanding. In all your getting, get understanding. The book of Proverbs seems to indicate that uh, understanding or wisdom is the most important thing you can gain in life. And the Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. 
The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But it says in all thy getting, get understanding. On a daily basis, you should be working to learn something new. Do you know in this technological age that we live in, there should never be a wasted moment of time in your life. We're talking about stewardship. We're talking about proper stewardship and we're talking about uh, proper management of your life. We're talking about mastery of areas of your life. I've done my best over the last three years to make sure my time is never wasted unless I'm purposely choosing to waste it, unless I purposely choose to do nothing, to just relax. And that's important too. But I'm talking about your, your time should never be wasted. Optimize your schedule, optimize your life, use tools at your disposal so that even in times when uh, your time could be wasted, it will not be. I use, you know, I'll even use apps. Like, for example, I have apps on my phone. Like, um, uh, you know, I'll use an app called Instapaper. Instapaper is an app that allows you, you know, let's say you're scrolling through the internet and, uh, and you see articles that you'd like to read or things that you're studying, but you don't have the time. With one click of a button, I can send that article offline to the app called Instapaper, which creates for me like a custom newspaper that whenever I do have the time to sit down, I don't have to spend the first 20 minutes trying to browse back through the internet and look for that article I saw one day. It's all in one place for me, waiting for me to gain more knowledge from what I've been studying. And when I sit down, or let's say I jump on an airplane flight, or I'm standing in a long line waiting for something, I can pull my phone out, open the Instapaper app, and just continue to fill myself with more knowledge, more wisdom, more understanding. Use things like that. Make, you know, podcasts like you're listening to now. As you're commuting, make sure your commute times. You would be blown away if I gave you the statistics of what the average person travels over a year period. I was listening to a guy the other day. He said that uh, his wife worked in the city, but they lived in the suburbs, and she had to drive every day 90 minutes round trip five days a week. What is that? Six and seven. That's what is that? Seven and a half hours. That's almost a full work day in a week. You do that 50 weeks a year. That's 50 work days in transit, in commute. And she was driving that. He said, honey, you know what you should do to make them make more of your time? He said, he said, you should either carpool with people and sit in the back with your laptop or just jump on the, on the bus and let the bus take you into the city or the train. And while you're in that, I mean, think about that. That's not a small amount of time. Seven and a half hours a week, it's an extra day of work. It's almost a full extra day of work. You go over, that's that's almost two months, 50 days. That's almost two months of work just in your transit. So you're taking, you're making sure that your time's not wasted by things. While you're on the go, you can still be learning. We've created things for you like this podcast and like Miracle Word Radio so that when you're driving to work or when you're coming home, you don't have to just zone out and listen to a morning show or a rush hour show. You can put this on and build your spirit, man, and build your mind with the word of God. And see, you need to take control of your time because listen to me when I say this, time is the most valuable resource that you have on the earth. Everything else can be gotten back. Time can never be gotten back. It's the most valuable resource at your disposal. I did a whole podcast on that. 
and you can go back and listen to that. But you need to understand that you need to optimize your time, whether you're standing in a long line, transit in your car, whether you're on a flight, whatever you're doing. I mean, even flying here. I had a three-hour direct flight. I made sure because I'm studying some new things. I had podcasts lined up ready to go. I took notes for three straight hours and listened to teaching for three straight hours and never came up for breath. I didn't watch a movie. I didn't waste my time watching shows or movies or listening to music. I'm adding knowledge. I'm gaining mastery over the mental area of my life. And you can do it. You can do it as well. Don't allow your time to be wasted by others. Just because there's rush hour traffic don't, doesn't mean you have to sit there and just zone out for an hour on your way home. Number two, under the mental area, learn to stop pleasing people. This is one of the biggest things that destroys people mentally. It drives every kind of negative emotion. You know, people, they get into fear because of what they think people will think. They get panicked based on that or they're depressed based on what people think, or, you know, they're scared about what, all these other things. I'm telling you, when you learn to stop pleasing the people that are around you and learn that only one person needs to be pleased, and that is God. If God is pleased with your life, who cares who's displeased? You know, you can't make everybody happy. In fact, the Bible says, beware when all men speak well of you. Don't allow Uh, yourself to, to be battling mental anxiety or panic because of what people are saying about you online or what people are. It doesn't matter. Stop trying to live your life to please people. That's one of the downsides of a social media generation is that everything we release, we try to craft it so that it can be accepted and liked and shared and retweeted and hearted by people that we don't even know. Stop trying to gain happiness mentally by pleasing people and start learning that if God is happy with your life, that is all that matters. And then finally, meditation, meditate on scripture. This is now, this is not, I'm not in the first section. I told you about reading and obeying scripture. This is very different meditating upon scripture. In fact, God spoke to Joshua when he was ready to launch him into the next level of success and prosperity in Joshua chapter one and verse eight. And he said to him, he said, take this book of the law. Do not let it depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be careful to do all that's written herein. Then will you make your way prosperous and have good success. So God said your success and prosperity is contingent upon one thing. Can you meditate on my word day and night? You know what that's called? Obsession. And obsession with God's word brings possession of his promises. Obsession with God's word brings possession of his promises. Obsession with God's word brings possession of his promises. If you're tweeting, if you're uh, putting out quotes on social media from this week's episode, you can write it down. Obsession with God's word brings possession of his promises. It will help you to understand. God was telling Joshua, meditate day and night and day and night. Do you know, if I were you, I would do this. Take, as you're doing your daily Bible reading, pull out maybe, you know, a couple of verses that really stood out in your spirit. And shut yourself away and meditate. Take 15, 20 minutes and just meditate. Roll those verses over and over in your spirit. 
Pray that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation regarding those verses. And just meditate on the word of God. Meditate on the word of God. It's funny how, you know, you hear the word meditation in this generation and it's like it's bad because it's like some sort of new age thing or some, it's something Buddhists do or, you know, whatever. No, God's the one that invented meditation. God, in fact, it's not, I don't believe it's talked about enough. I don't believe enough people meditate. You've got to meditate on the mighty word of God. Let that thing permeate your mind over and over. Roll it over in your spirit. God will begin to show you new things. Take control of the mental area of your life. You've got to do it without question. So your spiritual life, your mental life, you've got to study constantly, learn to stop pleasing people and meditate daily on scripture. Number three, if you're taking notes, the third area of life that you have got to master without question is the physical area of your life. Your body needs to be mastered. Your body. I don't mean you have to look, you know, like the rock if you're a guy and you don't have to look like a model if you're, that's not what I'm talking about, but I am talking about taking control over your body. Paul, the apostle said in first Corinthians nine twenty seven, he said, I put my body under on a daily basis so that after having to pre after having preached to others, I myself might not become a castaway or a reprobate or disqualified is what he's saying. You've got to take control over your flesh. One of the ways to do that, and I'm talking literally about physical development. I'm not just talking about the fact that your flesh wants to sin. If you'll control your spirit and mind, as we just talked about, you know, the word of God renews your mind. Those are two massive steps into making sure that you're not living in sin. So when I'm talking about this third area of the physical area of your life, I'm not talking uh, necessarily about keeping yourself from sin. I'm talking about uh, taking care of your physical body and it needs to be done. It must be done. You know, people, it makes me laugh how people quote Paul's letter to uh, Timothy and uh, where he said in first Timothy chapter four, physical exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. First Timothy four, eight. And they say, see that even the Bible says physical exercise only has a little bit of profit. No, it's just in comparison to godliness that physical exercise doesn't do that much. Godliness brings profit in every area of your life, your physical, your mental, your relation, all of them. And physical exercise really only helps your, your body and now studies are showing your mind. So two areas versus all areas, but that doesn't mean that physical exercise isn't good. In fact, we need to be doing something on a daily basis, exercise somehow, some way on a daily basis to keep your body in a place. See, we need to understand the temple principle. I call it the temple principle, but the apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and said, don't you understand that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Now, I'm going to say right up front, and many of you listening to this podcast episode, you know that this is the case just from my social media posts. This is probably the area I struggle with with the most because, you know, I, I, I have, especially in the past, been extremely undisciplined with my eating and all these other things. Many of you know how much I love Taco Bell, you know, and that makes people cringe that are listening to the podcast. All the health nuts just had the desire to turn this podcast off. You know how much I love Taco Bell. You know how much I love McDonald's. I go to, you know, grew up eating fast food, quick things on the road. 
and grew to like it. But obviously, I know it's not good for you. And so it it translates from knowing what's right to do and wrong to do to actually doing it. That's self-control. That's self-discipline. And uh, as my wife can testify, I haven't had Taco Bell in months and months and months. So it's at least one step in the right direction. I'm not telling you I'm a master of, uh, of physical exercise or discipline. Far from it. But I will say that we need to learn the temple principle, which is Paul said to the Corinthians, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He lives in you. He dwells in you. Let's make it a practical example. Imagine if the Holy Spirit was in physical form, he was in a body, he was in physical form, and you were going to have him stay at your house. You were going to host him. He was coming as a guest to stay in one of your guest rooms. Can you imagine, would you just go in there and for the two weeks before the Holy Spirit came to your house, just throw all your trash on the floor in there? Make sure that the sheets were dirty. Make sure the bed wasn't made. Maybe smash the mirror in the corner and let the shards of glass be all over the carpet for when he came. Let it stink in there. You know, don't even light a candle or make, just make the room as nasty as possible. Looks like a crime scene by the time you're done. And then when the Holy Spirit shows up at your house, say, hey, we've got a great room for you. Want you to move right in here. Let's get your bags in there. All right, go right in, Holy Spirit. Sleep in that nasty bed. Uh, go ahead in there. I know there's trash everywhere. Just ignore the trash and just go ahead and stay in there. No, if you honor somebody, then you're going to treat them with honor. If you're going to bring somebody in, I mean, you'll do that for just a natural guest. Make sure it's a clean room. Car- carpets are vacuumed, uh, you know, Windex, the mirrors, whatever else, whatever, whatever else you may be doing, put a candle in there. Uh, you may add some special things or put a gift basket in the room to let them know you're happy they came. You know, these are things that have done with honor in the same way. Remember your body is the room or the house or the temple that the Holy spirit is living in. And we've got to think of the fact that Not only does he live in us, but he deserves to live in a body that is honored and respected. It's his house. We should honor it and we should respect it. We should do all we can to honor. There was a great man of God during the voice of healing who was not taking care of himself. I mean, not at all taking care of himself, had a powerful, powerful healing and deliverance ministry. Saw all kinds of miracles taking place. His name was uh, Evangelist Jack Coe. Powerful. I mean, go back and you can watch his videos on YouTube in black and white and you can see all the mighty miracles that were taking place. But he would not take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's not like God just let him leave the earth, but he had men of God who were powerful men of God who wrote him letters and told him that he needed to get his body in check, gave him warning after warning, and he didn't heed the warnings. And as a result, died at a very, very young age when his ministry was exploding, taking off. I mean, tens of thousands of people coming to hear him preach and to see the miracles that Jesus was performing. God had a great call on his life. He had a great gift but he did not live by the temple principle. And as a result, it killed him. It killed him. So why couldn't God have performed one of those miracles for him and kept him alive? Because God expects us to operate in wisdom and we're not supposed to be depending on miracles to stay alive. That's not how God directs his children. He directs them by wisdom and by his word. 
To whom much is given, much is required. And so the temple of the Holy Ghost, our physical body, needs to be mastered. Meaning, you've got to do something to make sure, you know, God wants you around for the long haul. Not He doesn't want you dying early. In fact, one of the things I'm realizing more and more as I travel is that people are battling things in their body, not because the devil's attacking them, but because there are poor choices being made by many people in the body of Christ and around the world. Poor choices with their temple. And as a result, they're battling high blood pressure, heart disease, type 2 diabetes, all these different things, cancer. I mean, these things are being proven now that it's the choices people are making that are taking them into these problems. It has nothing to do with the devil attacking. We're blaming the devil for stuff he never did. But it's because people won't live by the temple principle taking care of the house of God. Get the trash out, get the garbage out and respect the house of God. And God will honor you for that. And it's wisdom, it's stewardship of your body and God can use you for a longer period of time. You don't have to be old and and, and hurting. You don't have to be old and broken. You can live in strength for the rest of your days. So number three, you've got to master the physical area of your life. And those three things I just gave you, understanding the temple principle, exercising on a daily basis, do something to get that heart rate up. Even if you've got to walk, you know, I hate running. Let's give you an insight into my life. I hate it. I hate running with all my, with all my heart. I always like to use the verse. The Bible says the wicked run when no one's chasing them. But no, you have to understand I had to do something. So one of the things I began to do on a daily basis is to just get out and walk four miles. And I just get out every day, walk, you know, around my neighborhood, down the street, whatever. But once again, we're, we're coupling these things together because while my body is benefiting, while the temple is benefiting, I'm also continuing to fill my mind and my spirit. I may put the Bible app on and listen to scripture being read to me while I'm walking. I might listen to podcasts. I might listen to preachers preaching on YouTube. So I'm doing two things at one time, but understanding that I'm keeping my temple principle intact and doing something every day to make sure I'm taking care of God's house. And then finally, making sure that you spend time throughout your year fasting. We've done podcasts on fasting. It's not a suggestion. It's not something you do once in your life, but self-control, obeying the scripture, taking time to fast and pray. Fasting tells the flesh to shut up quicker than any other thing that you can do. Number four, let's talk about the fourth area of your life that must be mastered, and that is the relational areas of your life. If you're married, your relationship with your spouse should be the second most important thing in your life after your relationship with God himself. Your relationship with your husband or wife. Listen to me when I tell you, do not put your children above your spouse. That is a mistake I've seen people make that destroys marriages. Your children are not to be prioritized above your husband or wife. I know I'll probably get people writing me, sending me messages on Twitter, direct messages on Instagram. My kids are more important than my husband or wife. They're a full-grown adult. My kid, No, your kids need care, yes. Don't neglect caring for your kids, but your husband or wife needs to be honored first and above the children. My children do not run my life. Hear me when I say this. 
My kids don't run my wife's life. We don't run around town doing everything we can do to make sure our kids are pleased. Our kids fall in line and do what we tell them to do. And if my wife and I are spending time with one another, my kids do not pull me out of my plans. My kids are not going to dictate what goes on in our house. And I'm and sadly that's happening with many many people in this generation, but your kids do not get to run the show. And relationally, realize this, your kids don't need you to be their friend. They need you to be their parent. Your kids need you to be their parent, to be the authority figure, to lay down the law and to guide them by the power of God into what they're called to be. But your spouse, your husband, your wife does need a friend in you. Listen, this sounds, you know, I know it may sound cheesy. Your husband or wife is supposed to be your best friend, not your guy friend, not your girlfriend. Well, that she's my best friend, you know, and he, no, your husband is your best friend. Your wife is your best friend. And if they're not, then you need to start making some changes in your relationship and you need to start cultivating a relationship where once again, you are best friends. My wife is my best friend. I have other close friends, but she's my best friend. And understand, she's number one. And that goes back to what the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians. It says, wives, submit yourselves unto, uh, to your husbands, but it doesn't stop there. Everybody likes to read that verse and then stop. That's not all it says. It says, and husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now understand this is so important because the Bible says uh, husbands love your wives, but if it would have stopped there, then, you know, love is a very subjective term. It's a very relative term. You say, well, I'm going to determine how I love you. No, it gives us an exact example and says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. How he gave himself for her. So that shows you what kind of love that husbands are supposed to extend to their wives. A selfless giving of myself, you first type of love. If there's any men listening to the podcast, hear me when I say that you have full authority in your home and God has made you the priest of your home, meaning that the buck stops with you. And even though you're in the, the authority position, remember, you're also in the in the responsibility position. It's just like in the military. You know, if you've got issues with your men and you're, maybe you're a sergeant over a group of men, if you've got issues with them, then when your superior officer, when your CO comes to talk to you, he's not going to come and say, and you're going to say, well, you know, my men started screwing around and I don't know what happened. And they say, oh, no problem, bro. I'll, I'll go talk to your men for you and I'll get them in line. No, the sergeant's going to be the one that gets in trouble because he is responsible for the men under him. And, and husbands, hear me, your wife is subjected to you, according to scripture, your children are subjected to you. So if there's a problem with your children, it doesn't fall upon your wife, it falls upon you as a husband because you're the final authority in that home. If there's relational issues between you and your wife, the first place I would look is what is the husband doing to make sure that this is a right running relationship. That's the kind of authority and power you have in your home as the priest of your home. You need to look at yourself first. True authority 
And true success doesn't make excuses as to for what's going on. It solves problems. So if there's an issue, you know, if my wife communicates to me, she's not happy with something or she's unhappy with this or that, I need to look at what I'm doing to handle that. How can I be the one to rectify that issue? You don't immediately start pointing fingers. So you're not happy with that. Let me tell you a few things I'm not happy with. No, true leadership looks to see how it can rectify the situation rather than pointing fingers and blaming other people. So if there's an issue in my home, it comes to me first. And I'm the one that's praying and saying, God, what can I do to make this right? And the reason I say that in the relational aspect of life, that you've got to learn how to master that situation, because especially even if you're a minister, you can have a powerful gift, you can have a powerful ministry, but if you can't even get your home life in order, the Bible says you shouldn't be ministering in the first place. If you've got children that don't respect you, the Bible says you shouldn't be ministering. If you've got things that are going on in your house and you can't get your house in order, the Bible goes on to say, how, do you, how in the world do you think you can get God's house in order? So there's got to be a relational mastery in your home. So how do we do that? Three things I'll give you. Number one, Learn how to love, and what I what I mean that is everybody experiences and gives love differently. What makes one person feel loved doesn't make another person feel loved. In fact, if you've not read it, a really great book to read on this subject is very famous book called uh, "The Five Love Languages" by Gary Chapman. And in that study, they find there are five different ways that people experience love and give love. Some people feel loved when people spend quality time with them. Other people feel loved when gifts are given to them. Other people feel loved when uh, words of affirmation or praise is given to them. There's different ways. So you have to be able to locate and be heads up on this, not just staring at the TV, hoping your wife has finished dinner, you know, whatever, vice versa. You've got to find out what it is that makes your spouse feel loved because that's your responsibility as Christ loved the church. You've got to find out and then you've got to pursue those avenues to bring happiness into your home. Number two, you've got to learn to love like Christ. As I said a moment ago, that is a selfless love. That is a putting you above me type of love. And finally, you've got to lead by example. If you want to see something happen in your home, be the first person that does it. If you want to see peace in your home, be the peaceful one. If you want to see love in your home, be the loving one. If you want to see people doing devotions in your home, be the one who's leading devotions in your home. Lead by example. You've got to master the relational area of your life. Learn how to love with the proper language. Love like Christ, selflessly, giving yourself for the others. And lead by example. And finally, let's finish the episode today talking about the fifth area of your life that you must master. That is the financial area of your life. You must master the financial area of your life. You know, what What good does it do if God's given you this big vision, if he's given you this big call for your life, but you never have the financial resources to complete or carry it out? doesn't matter how big your vision is. If you don't have the resources to, to put it into motion, then it'll just stay a vision. It becomes a fantasy is all that it is. So you have got to master the financial area of your life. Master it. Three things I'm going to give you. If you're not doing this, then you need to begin to do them immediately. Number one, start tithing today. Start tithing today. 
So, brother, we, we, you know, we can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to. Do not rob God of the tithe. It is a test of your heart to see if your heart truly belongs to God. Because if you can't even be trusted with 10% of your income, how would God trust you with the greater things of the kingdom? He can't. If you're faithful over a little, he'll make you ruler over much. The tithe is God checking with you to see, do you honor me above everything else? I've said it many times on this podcast. I've said, if it came down to whether or not my children would eat dinner tonight, to whether my, my wife would have dinner, whether I would have dinner tonight, or we would pay our tithes this week, we'd be fasting and God would get his tithes. But because I live like that and put God first, I'll never miss a meal. My kids will never be in a place where they're not blessed. There'll never be a time where there's not more than enough because I put God first. And when you put God first, he puts you first. God puts you where you put him. Start tithing today. Don't delay. Do it. The Bible instructs us to do it. Not just in the Old Testament. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, people were still paying tithes. And the writer of Hebrews said that Jesus receives our tithes directly in heaven. That in the old priesthood, it used to be the Levitical priest that received tithes. But now the, the priesthood is changed and Jesus receives them directly in heaven. Start tithing today. Number two, learn how to sow seeds beyond your tithe. As I said, the tithing is the base level of what a believer should do. The base level. You know, if you think you've hung the moon because you started paying tithes, you've got a long way to go. Learn to sow seeds. Tithing is not what causes you to be blessed. Tithing is something that tests your heart. The thing that God multiplies is not your tithe because the tithe already belongs to God. The thing that God multiplies is the seed that you sow above and beyond your tithe. So number two, not only learn to sow large seeds into the kingdom, but also find some way to bless the poor. We've partnered with uh, Feed the Hungry at our ministry and ourselves personally to try to be one of the largest givers they have in the world as Lester Summerall's organization, Feed the Hungry, feeds people all over the world in nations around the world that are hungry as a humanitarian organization to show the love of Christ, we do all we can to bless the poor because the Bible says to do that. So that doesn't take the place of the seeds we sow. We still sow large seeds at our church at a, in, into other ministries. We sow those seeds and we pay tithes on top of that. And we're more blessed than we could ever be without the help of God. So sowing seeds beyond your tithes and blessing the poor. And then finally, use Proverbs style wisdom. Don't do foolish things with your money. In fact, as I said before, you should be doing some studying. There's books, there's resources available. I'll tell you, uh, one that many churches are using is, uh, of course, Dave Ramsey, who is a Christian, who is who believes in tithing, who believes in giving, who believes in being generous to the kingdom of God, but using Proverbs-style wisdom with your finances. Don't be in debt. Don't buy things on credit cards you can't afford. You know, do you know, do you know the percentage of Americans that are in credit card debt up to their eyeballs? Student loan debt. People have to work till they're 45 years old to be debt-free. It's not right. 
The Bible says that you'll lend to many nations and you will not borrow. The Abrahamic covenant is you don't have to borrow. You should not have to borrow. Proverbs style wisdom. Do not do foolish things. Know where your money's going. Have savings. Learn to save. The Bible says it is a fool that spends all that he has. A fool does that. Do not be like a fool. Do not spend everything you have. There should be a reserve. Because the Bible says that a a, a good man leaves an inheritance to not only his children, but his children's children. So that if Jesus tarries, if Jesus doesn't come back soon, and you have grandchildren at some point, that when you pass away, you should have so much left over that your children get an inheritance, but that your grandchildren also get an inheritance. That does not come from spending all you have. There needs to be a reserve. That's scriptural. Do not put yourself into emergency situations because you don't use wisdom with your finances. Do the basic things. Do the basic things. It's so important that you do those basic things. And reading the book of Proverbs is so vital. I tell all young people, a proverb a day keeps the stupid away. <laughs> a proverb a day keeps the stupid away. In fact, I think that that's probably, I mean, it's, it's pretty wonderful that there are 31 proverbs. I mean, literally, you could read one a day and read proverbs every month. It's a wonderful thing to do, and it's not even hard if you've got to catch up. Whatever day of the month it is is what proverb you read. I encourage you. I encourage you do that. In fact, um, I, I would very much encourage any person. There's a wonderful book uh, that Dave Ramsey did release. I would recommend it to you. It's a phenomenal book. It's called The Total Money Makeover. If you've never read that book, uh, you're especially if you're a young person trying to understand uh, how to uh, go to the next level financially, not spiritual side of money, but the natural side of money, read The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. I recommend it. He is a Christian, believes in tithing, goes to church, faithful to the house of God, and it will help you. There's nothing wrong with using natural wisdom that God has given you. You should do that. That's why Proverbs says, in all thy getting, get understanding. Get understanding. So the five areas of life you must master, your spiritual life, number one, pray, read and obey the word, be faithful to church. Number two, the mental area of your life, study daily, stop pleasing people, meditate on scripture on a daily basis, the physical, number three, area of your life. Fast, learn to fast and pray throughout your year. Exercise, do something to keep the temple of the Holy Spirit uh, healthy and strong. Understand that temple principle. Number four, the relational area of your life. Learn how to love with the proper language with your spouse, with your children, those you care about. Love like Christ giving yourself. It's a selfless love. It's an others first kind of love and lead by example. And finally, number five, the financial area of your life. Start tithing today. So beyond your tithes and bless the poor and use Proverbs style wisdom. And you'll begin to master these five areas of your life. Because if not, what ends up happening is that these things begin to master you. Your spiritual life goes downhill and you don't have a relationship with God like you should and things begin to fall apart. 
your mind begins to fall apart and you don't have the, the, the wisdom that's needed to succeed in life. Your physical body begins to fall apart and you don't have the strength to do what God's called you to do. Your relationships fall apart and then you don't have the peace or the joy to do what God's called you to do or your finances fall apart and you don't have the resources that you need to do what God's called you to do. Let me pray for every person listening that this spirit of discipline and self-control will come upon you today like never before and that in this final quarter of the year, you'll begin to take these actions to set yourself up for the greatest new year that you've ever seen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you now. I thank you for everyone that's faithful to listen to this podcast. Lord, I pray today that you would give them a hunger and a desire to operate in the fruit of the spirit and specifically the the fruit of self-control. You've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And so today we ask you, Lord, give us a desire to please you and to control these areas of of our lives using supernatural wisdom from your word so we can see victory and success on every side of our lives and be extremely impactful for the kingdom of God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for it. We give you praise. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Once again, if you've not yet done it, hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you're listening on a device that's not iOS, then do it on Google uh, Podcasts or also Stitcher. Anywhere podcasts are available, we encourage you to subscribe. New podcasts every single week. I'm so excited about it. Thanks for sharing. We're so excited that uh, Worship Summit 2019 is coming up. Check it out, southeastworship.com. All the information is there. Minister Jenya, Minister Reese, myself, live album recording on Friday night. We want you to be there. If you've not gotten a chance to register yet for Southeast Worship Summit 2019, May the 7th through the 10th, check it out at southeastworship.com. Love to have you there. Register for free today. It's going to be awesome. I love you guys. Until next week, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I love you. Talk to you soon. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com. 